Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! arrived at the end of 2022 and our annual 10th annual that is wwe aew year in review awards from wrestlerant.com this is wrestlerant radio for thursday december 29th 2022 graham g Sam matthews as always joined by the down and out mr marceau i know you're feeling under the weather mr marceau but it would not be the annual year in review award show without you brother I'd be coming from my hospital bed if needed, so I'm doing better. But yeah, I mean, nothing was stopping me from coming on. I was gonna say just the flu. You don't got the you don't have the vid, but you know the flu is nothing to joke about either. So I'm glad you're on the mend. You're doing better as we head into the new year. Always look forward to this though. Uh, people have been voting all month long over on WrestleRant.com. We're gonna get into it uh, with the full results from the 2022 Year in Review Awards, the 10th annual, as I mentioned. We got the 11th annual, the 10-year anniversary of the Royal Rumble game also coming up in 2023 as well. January, mark your number, Mr. Marceau. Don't know when when these spots are going to open. It's probably going to be the week of per usual, but had that to look forward to. But, um, yeah, we have a lot to look forward to in the new year. Rumble is fast approaching. Triple H's first Rumble. A lot of big things on the horizon for AEW. New Japan got Wrestle Kingdom coming up. Great Muda and Shinsuke Nakamura happening on New Year's Day. So a very exciting 2023 in store. New episodes of the show, of course, available every single Thursday. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Uh, we will be breaking down Raw, Dynamite, all that other sort of stuff next week. This is a largely a year in review show. There wasn't even a Raw this week anyway. Uh, it was a best of show on Monday, so no Raw to review there. I did watch Dynamite, loved the show, thought it was a great show overall. We'll get into more of that next week, as I mentioned. Nothing super overly newsworthy anyway. Two things I do want to note before we get underway with the results, though, from the polls. We have a lot to get into. Um, is that two quick news and notes here. The Ric Flair doc did drop on Monday, the Woo Becoming Ric Flair doc on Peacock. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, probably either tomorrow or over the weekend. You did, Mr. Marceau. You caught up on it today. I know we talked about it before we hit record here, but uh, what were your thoughts, brother? I thought it was a decent doc. Like I said to you before we talked, it was just, it was like, I didn't learn anything really that I didn't know about Flair already. I thought it was well put together, but just like the last, or like the Vince McMahon doc, it was just like, old recorded footage from old wrestling like the same batista one i've seen for like years like he's like in that he's wearing like the black like tank top and he's <laughs> like you know exactly which one i'm talking about like yeah. the ones that from him and it was like the same with triple h and uh sean michaels it was like same kind of pre-recorded interviews i've seen of them before talking about rex so i thought it was pretty well done but the footage is nothing now yeah, it's just an excuse to put out a doc. They need more original content because once upon a time here on the Year in Review Awards, as early as, you know, as recently as last year, we had a category for, you know, Peacock Network Show of the Year, WWE Network Program of the Year. I didn't do it this year because I think the only original content they've done is like the Broken Skull Sessions. They may have done 
and maybe one episode of WWE 24. They don't really do those anymore. I don't even know if they did one for WrestleMania 38. They might have. I don't remember. Um, we really haven't had a lot of original content, so I'm hoping they could do better with that now that Triple H is in charge. Not sure if he gives a shit about that sort of stuff, but you know, more original content in, in 2023 that isn't only archive footage like the Flair one, like the Vince one. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that hopefully in the new year. The other news and note here that I do want to bring up, Dragon Lee, former Ring of Honor World Television Champion. We saw him on Dynamite not too, too long ago, probably about three, four months ago, teaming with his brother uh, Roosh. And um, I think it was uh, Andrade as well, obviously, in the trios tournament. Was quickly unmasked and beaten up by his brother and Andrade afterward for whatever reason, I don't know. Obviously, they didn't plan on signing him. Uh, they would have been a perfect trio, and they quickly uh, they quickly got rid of him, and they never brought him back. So he hasn't been in Ring of Honor lately, which was interesting. Uh, he did win the, the uh, one half of the AAA World Tag Team titles last night alongside his other brother, Drillistico. It was a final battle a few weeks ago. They beat FTR for the belts. And then he announced right afterward that he's going to WWE, and they've already vacated the belt. So uh, I know you're not too, too familiar with him, Mr. Marceau, but he does have a lot of history in Ring of Honor. New Japan popped up briefly in... Uh, AEW as well. From what you know about him, from what you've seen, do you think this is a good pickup for WWE? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I've only seen a little snippets, like only a few things. Like I said, I saw like the AEW stuff. Um, so it's not, I'm not very well diverse. I hope it's not like he's going to be the next Rey Mysterio. I feel like that's like every time they sign a new mass wrestler, like, oh, he's going to be the next Rey Mysterio. And they flop out in like two years. So hopefully they can use him to his potential. I mean, I assume we're probably going to draw it back in WWE sooner rather than later, so maybe we can do something with him, but, I mean, he's going right to NXT. I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's official. WWE officially announced that it wasn't like Fightful reporting, oh, they're bringing him in, or like he'll be there soon, or he was at a tryout. No, they outright announced that he said it. WWE ran the footage. They announced it on Twitter as well. It's on their website, so... He is indeed headed to WWE in early January of next year, so he will be on NXT soon. Uh, you did joke before we hit record here that they already have a Lee. I mean, they have a couple of Lees, actually. And I don't know if they have more than one in WWE right now. I know they have Wesley, who's the current North There's American Zion champion. Zion, uh, yeah, well, spelled differently. It's yeah, different there's... spelling, but still Lee. Sure. I thought there was another Lee, though. Trevor Lee is Cameron Grimes. Um, hmm. There's a lot uh, of Lees. There, I know there's Brody Lee... You know, Wesley, Wesley uh, there's a bunch of Lees, AJ Lee previously, um, but I don't know if they would bring him in under that name. They would probably give him a new name. They've given everyone who's come in lately new names, even if it's from their own fucking company. People that were in NXT UK are getting new names, so I wouldn't be surprised, but he's a great pickup for that brand. I don't know if he exactly fits in the current NXT. Uh, they already have Axiom, among other people, already on that brand, who doesn't need to be masked, by the way. Axiom, that is, the former A-Kid from new NXT UK. But um, he should fit in just well. Wesley and him, Carmelo Hayes and him, should be fucking awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Him and Dijak would be a lot of fun as well. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a great pickup. And I think we've said this before, maybe not nat last week, but the week before, that Triple H has brought back a lot of people that weren't exactly given first chances, let alone second chances. Uh, when Vince was still in charge before he got booted from power earlier this year. And, you know, Hit Row, who hasn't exactly had the hottest run. That match with the Usos on Friday was completely fucking subpar. It was the most lame Usos match I've seen, maybe not ever, but perhaps ever, definitely in recent years. It wasn't good. They haven't had the hottest run since returning. You know, them, Tegan Knox is back. I'm very happy to see her back. Gargano, people that would have previously not been brought back or not been given even a first look by Vince are all back on the roster. That's great. He's filled out the roster, and a lot of these people, as we've said before, are there to serve a purpose, are there to fill a role. 
Now I think it's time per wrestle votes. They're reporting this as well that Triple H is looking to eye top talent from outside of WWE that has not been there previously. Now, they didn't say that in the tweet, but that was my implication. That was my uh, my takeaway from that tweet, was that he's looking at people like Dragon Lee, people from AAA, maybe New Japan, uh, I don't know, but Ring of Honor, NWA, Impact, people like that, or promotions like that. I know Nick this is going to be a free agent in a few months, the former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Would love to see him in WWE. I feel like if that was going to happen, it would happen years ago, so probably not. But he is young enough to where I think he could uh, get a great run in WWE. But anyway, um, I don't know who exactly comes to mind who's a free agent right now that w- that wasn't already in WWE. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's the top takeaway take here is that we could see a lot more top talent in WWE in the new year that hasn't previously been there. Yeah, I think with, with Triple H, I think we'll see a little bit more of that. Um, like you said, Nick Aldis, I feel like stuck, stuck, stuck out to me. Is he still? I thought he was done with NWA. Does he still have like... I thought he left or there was like some big debacle or something. I think technically he's still there. I think he's there through January 1st. And then he's a free agent. So, I mean, he could sign there as early as next week if, if they wanted him, I think. Yeah, I mean, I know him, like, I feel like he feels like a WWE guy. And I think I've heard in the past, like, Bruce Pritchard didn't like him. So that's why yeah. WWE. Yeah, I've heard that. Too. But, uh, no, I think he's good. And, like you said, maybe they can scour M- M- MLW and, and Impact and maybe try to bring in some new fresh blood. I mean, it's great bringing back, like you said, like the guys, like the Hit Rose and stuff. But, I mean, they, they, they just, I feel like you could use some, some new talent as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't want them to completely overload the roster the way that AEW has and not know what to do with certain people. I completely agree with that standpoint. you got to bring in people that you're going to use. Um, even the people that Triple H has brought back, he's using them. Some of them aren't exactly being pushed, but like Emma's there to put other people over. That's just the role for her on the show. She's doing the Mad Cat Moss thing, whatever. Um, but the people they bring in, I want to see them use as top talent and not just there to serve a... You know, just uh, just to take a number, be another guy, be another girl, um, and actually be pushed to their full potential. Like we already we talked we talked about a couple weeks ago, Kylie Ray. She was on main event soon after as well, so I feel like that's a done deal. But I haven't heard anything else about that since. Casey Navarro is from MLW. He's great. Uh, Vince and I already previously talked about. He was from Ring of Honor. EJ and Duke is another name to keep an eye out for. I feel like you would love him. He's currently in MLW. He was the judge previously. He was in NXT, never made it to TV, got cut about a year or two ago. I feel like he could be on his way back soon as well. So I'm excited for 2023 and the potential talent prospects for WWE and all the other companies because now it's not the only game in town. Not everyone is going to AEW. Not everyone's going to WWE. It's nice and evenly split, which is great to say. But listen, Mr. Marceau, this is the Year in Review Award Show. Let's get to what we came here to talk about and break down the results here. So I did open the polls a few weeks ago on WrestleRant.com. Um, I closed them just yesterday. So here we are, 10th Annual Year in Review Awards. This is what I wanted to bring up at the beginning here. That The the one thing I, I told you before hit record that I, I regretted to inform you about Unfortunately, for whatever reason, I don't know why, because I haven't looked at the results until now. I want to be as surprised as you are when we talk about them. For whatever reason, there was a glitch with a few of the categories, three categories to be specific. It did not count the votes. I don't know if the polls... I assume they were there when you voted. You can enlighten me if they weren't. But for show of the year, which isn't that big of a deal, I don't have any votes for that at all for whatever reason... Most disappointing wrestler of the year was another category that didn't show up for whatever reason. And unfortunately, the match of the year for the men. I I was really fucking pissed about that. I don't know why no votes were counted for that category. That was really annoying. 
Um, when you voted, I know you were one of the first people to vote several weeks ago. I sent you the link as soon as it went up. Were those categories there when you voted? I mean, I should have I should have checked myself. I'm a moron for not double checking earlier. I have match of the year for the women. Uh, no men. No men. No. Wow. Okay. So they weren't even there at that point, man. I really fucked up. I don't know what happened. I don't know why they weren't showing up. Because I can only see it on my end. On my end, they were there for whatever reason. They weren't there for other people, so... Yeah, I, from what I have pictures of, I don't have those. any of those. Damn. I just have to, yeah. Damn, that sucks. So let's get into those first, because again, I don't have any votes counted for those, and you obviously didn't vote on those, and you can vote now. Uh, show of the year, these are only three categories. The men's match of the year really bummed me out, because that's a big category, and I have nothing counted for that. But we'll talk about it anyway. Uh, for show of the year, I had listed all the major shows, obviously. Raw, SmackDown, NXT... Uh, Dark, Elevation, all that other sort of shit, NXT UK, Dynamite, and Rampage. Is there any question to you what the show of the year was? I mean, I feel like it, it could go a few different ways, but what were your thoughts on that category? Um, I mean, I think it's just a two-dog race at the, at, out of the ones you just listed. I mean, I thought Rock did get a little bit better after the Triple H era, but before that, it was absolutely brutal. And yep. I, I wouldn't really count Raw. I would say it's between SmackDown and AEW, or Dynamite, I guess. Yeah, specifically, yeah. Um... Trying to think, I don't know. I feel like for me, I would say SmackDown. I, I've enjoyed SmackDown a lot. Um, it just that I don't know. I just thought I think it's a better show overall. I mean, AEW probably has better matches on Dynamite than SmackDown has on SmackDown. But I also feel like SmackDown's layout's better. It feels like everything kind of fits. AEW. The problem with I have with Dynamite just every time there's a split second to do anything, they immediately cram something in. Mm-hmm. Just that's just a formatting problem, but. I guess after the new year, we're supposed to get like a new look or new something. So we'll see how that goes. I, I fear it's going to be more WWE centric, but um, I, I'll, I'll say SmackDown. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Dynamite had a pretty good year. I think the issue with Dynamite specifically was the consistency. Raw, same thing, because Raw was just not good for most of the year. And then Triple H took over, became a very good show, more exciting show for a few months there. And it's kind of quickly gone back to what it was. No, I mean, not nearly as bad. I wouldn't say that. But it hasn't been the most exciting, thrilling three hours in recent months either. Although last week's show, not this past Monday, but the week before, which we talked about last week, was a great show. Um, I wouldn't say Raw. It really is, like you said, between SmackDown and Dynamite. SmackDown, or at least with Dynamite anyway, it wasn't exactly consistent. It's been a largely good show overall. Um, The fall season really just kind of lost my interest. The show's always been good. It's never really been bad. SmackDown, I don't know, it's just the first six months were not a good show. SmackDown in the first half of the year was not good. Vince gets the boot. Triple H takes over. He's been more consistent with SmackDown. SmackDown has been a largely great show for the past five or six months now. So if you say Dynamite, I wouldn't argue with that. For my own personal taste and from what I've noticed and what show I look forward to the most, at this point it would probably be SmackDown. So um, that may not be the case in 2023, but I'm going to go SmackDown there as well. Um, the other category that you couldn't vote on was the most disappointing wrestler of the year. So the eight people or eight, you know, you know, uh, categories here I have listed because some of them are tag teams. I had AJ Styles, Damage Control, all of Damage Control, Hit Row, House of Black, Miro, Ronda Rousey, Ruby Soho, and Wardlow. For me, I would probably go Ronda. Because I'm, we're talking most disappointing. I didn't have the highest of hopes for Hit Row. If you say Hit Row, I get it. But it's not like they came in and I'm expecting them to win the fucking tag titles. I mean, I thought they would be good. They did have a, a an absolutely disappointing year. I, I would go with Ronda, though, if only because 
you know, you could say damage control because I was very excited for that and they just haven't exactly lit the world on fire. Um, Ronda and damage control to me are kind of neck and neck. Wardlow's also been very disappointing, but at least he was on fire for the first six months of the year. Ronda's had success, but she just hasn't been on the same level that she was previously. They turned her heel. Her promos are still awful. They linked her up with Shayna. She hasn't had a terrible year, but I thought for the impact that she had originally when she came in a few years ago, we would get something similar to that in 2022, and we just didn't. So a lot of potential answers here. Miro wasn't even on the fucking show. Uh, Ruby was disappointing per usual, nothing having really to do with her. House of Black took time off, and AJ was just completely underutilized. But for me, I would probably go Ronda. Yeah, I'd probably say either Ronda or Wardlow for me. I mean, like you said, his beginning of his 2022 was good, but since the whole MJ... Once he, once he beat MJ up, it literally was like a big, like, plane ride down. His, like, stock fell off. The ca- people caring about him didn't help. I mean, he was also fighting, like, the 20 security guards and fighting with the firm and doing a lot of random stuff that no one cared about. Um, but like you said with Ronda, I just... I don't know, I feel like she came back at the Rumble. Everyone was like kind of excited i don't know like she like kind of left on bad terms but people were like kind of excited for her to come back then she won and then she was a baby face but no one really liked her then they turned her heel and he felt like that might have helped but it seemingly hasn't i i don't it just feels like her matches aren't that good i mean she's also not wrestling like her only really good matches recently i feel like were with charlotte before charlotte got hurt but i mean i like raquel and all them but i mean they're just not not on the same level as someone like a charlotte so it could just be that she's just not that good and those other girls carry her to, like, a good match, but her, her the SmackDown women's division sucks in general anyway, so I guess you could cl- clump it up together, but I feel like her effort just isn't really there either. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the level of opponents hasn't exactly helped. The Shotzi match was awful. Um, you know, the Liv matches were fine, but, like, it was kind of weirdly booked, and we haven't seen Liv on the show really at all. I mean, she's been on the show a little bit lately, but it just... She went right back to the same spot that she was in before after she lost the championship. I mean, she's just no different than she was even a year ago at this point, which is weird. Um, they did that whole crazy thing, and that led nowhere. I don't know. I just expected Ron. I was excited when she came back, and that Charlotte feud was a complete fucking dud. I mean, no one no one gave a shit. The segments weren't good. The match at Mania, which I was I'm like, okay, the feud wasn't that good, but at least the match at Mania should be good. The match at Mania sucked, too. That was probably the worst part of WrestleMania Night 1. Um, I think it was night one, Charlotte and Ronda for the SmackDown Women's Championship. We were there for the rematch of WrestleMania Backlash, which I know you weren't a big fan of. I thought that was a really good match. I can't name any other standout matches she had this year. Uh, the matches with Liv, like I said, were fine. Some of the TV matches haven't exactly been great. The last time she was around, she had the great WrestleMania in-ring debut. She had some matches on TV with Bailey, with Sasha that were great. Um, you know, among other people, the Mania match was fine. The one with Becky and Charlotte was okay, but she had better matches though. Even the Nia Jax matches she had were also very, very good. So I don't know. She just hasn't exactly clicked since coming back. I hope that changes in the new year, but I don't know what they need to do to make her better. Maybe it just is a step up in competition. Cause like you said, that SmackDown women's division has been abysmal for a majority of 2023. And the other category, it is one of the bigger categories, but because no votes were counted, we'll get to it now. Men's match of the year. So these were the eight matches I had listed. I tried to do four from WWE, four from AEW. As I've mentioned before, no NXT involvement in the polls this year. And to make it fair, because it technically isn't AEW, I did not include Ring of Honor either, because they only had three pay-per-views. So honestly, to be completely transparent with you, I would probably include slash um, say, I would probably say 
the Briscoes versus FTR was the match of the year for me. Any of them, honestly. Death Before Dishonor, the first one, the most recent one. I would say that. But because I didn't include that, this is what I put instead. Adam Page and Brian Danielson from the first Dynamite of the year uh, for the AEW World Championship. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns from SummerSlam, the last man standing match. FTR and the Bucks 2 from Dynamite on April 6th. Uh, Swervener Glory versus The Acclaimed from All Out for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins in a Hell in a Cell match. I also had um, Roman Reigns. I think I switched out this one for something else. Roman Reigns versus Drew from Clash of the Castle. Or, I'm sorry, Gunther versus Sheamus. I apologize. From Clash of the Castle. That's what it was supposed to be. The Usos versus The Profits for Money in the Bank for the tag titles. And Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP US title from Forbidden Door. So not even hearing all of those, Mr. Marceau, I already assume that you have your match of the year picked out. To you, what would it be? Out of those, I included, because like I said, I did not include FDR and the Briscoes for uh, for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's a tough decision. I like I thought Cody and Rollins in the Hell in a Cell was good. I, I honestly think I liked their other matches better than that one. Interesting, okay. I just feel like everyone just got caught up with like the torn pick. Like it was a good match, but I just I don't know, I feel like that just gets that gives that match like I guess people's more like interest in it. Like, mm-hmm. oh he wrestled injured. I think it was a good match, but I think their other matches were really good too. I I'd probably say what you listen I, I thought Gunther and Sheamus was an amazing match. Like legitimately like a hoss fight, like you like to say, just two guys like beating the living shit out of each other. Um I, I, I'd probably go with that. The environment was great in the UK. Both guys are European. It just, it, it, it was a great match. Yeah, you know, I probably would have said Cody and Seth, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been more convinced that it would be Gunther and Sheamus. So I'll, go with, I'll go with Gunther and Sheamus, although AEW had a lot of great matches as well. Brock and Roman had probably, not even probably, they did. We were there for it. The SummerSlam match was their second best match ever. Maybe even better than their WrestleMania match initially from many years ago, but that match was way better than it had any right to be, considering how done we were with Roman and Brock uh, in the summer of 2022. So that was a great match. The Usos and the Prophets turned out and had an awesome match as well that should not be forgotten about. Even Osprey and Cassidy exceeded my expectations. That was a really fun match. Swerving Our Glory versus The Acclaimed is one of the better tag team matches in AW history as well. So, uh, really good year for matches in both companies. And now we get to what was voted on, what had votes counted for it. Let's get into it, Mr. Marcel. Pay-per-view of the year. Uh, what did you have written down for this, and what do you think won? What do I have written down? Like, like what did you vote for? Uh, I voted for Clash of, Clash of the Castle. Is that what you think won? No. What do you think won? I think Full Gear won. Full Gear, okay. All right. So here's what we have written down. Last place, no votes at all. Extreme Rules. No one voted for Extreme Rules. Although I was at that show. I enjoyed that show, but whatever. Seventh place, (laughs) or or, or tied for the next place after that, with 7.3% of the vote. SummerSlam, which we were there for as well. Very good show. And full gear, actually. So wow. you you were way off on that one. Yeah, that got seven. Both of them got seven point three percent of the vote. With nine point eight percent of the vote after those was all out, which I would put below both of those. I thought all out was a was a good show, but weaker than the other ones. With twelve point two percent of the vote, surprisingly, because a lot of the earlier shows in the year don't get a lot of votes because people forget about them. But Revolution uh, got twelve point two percent of the votes. Fourteen point six percent with uh, Forbidden Door, which was a great show. And then winning the overall vote, 
31.7%. Clash at the Castle. In second place with 17.1% was WrestleMania 38. So WWE got the top two spots. You were spot on with Clash. I voted honestly. I did my own year-end review awards for uh, Bleacher earlier today. I said WrestleMania. Why did you vote for Clash at the Castle? Why was that the show of the year for you? I just thought it was the most solid show overall. I mean, I guess if you kind of wrestle, the problem with WrestleMania is tough too because it's two days. Exactly. I, I, yeah. That's the toughness, and it's like you can't just count one night because I feel like it's a whole event. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought Clash like overall was the most solid show, and I, I just thought it was it was probably the, one of the only shows I'd actually go back and rewatch. So I mean, I thought WrestleMania, like you said, I think you could if you took snippets of one and two and mashed together, yeah, it'd probably be the show of the year, but. Um, if I'm counting it as a whole, I mean, I, I still can't go over the Knoxville Sami Zayn stuff. Saw it on Raw, absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, so that alone just knocked it out of the number one for me. Yeah, either one I think you can go with, and you're not wrong. I'm actually surprised that Clash won by more than it did, by uh, with almost 13-14% of a margin here. Uh, I loved Clash. I thought Clash was a fantastic show. Like you said, I, I kind of cheat and give Mania the nod because it was two nights, and you had a lot of great stuff between the two nights. Um, as a complete show, would you say it was one of the best WrestleManias in the last 10, 15 years, at least? Yeah, yeah, easily. I thought I thought both nights were had its its exciting parts. I mean, they definitely had some of its downs as well, but I, th- I think it was one of the more memorable WrestleManias we've had in, in the past couple of years. Especially, I mean, especially since the COVID era one. I mean, mm-hmm. can't even, we'll go back and watch that one. So basically, anything after that one seems like it's been amazing. So. I would definitely say it was a solid show. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that was a Vince McMahon WrestleMania, mind you, as well. So we will get our first Triple H WrestleMania this year. Clash of the Castle was the first complete Triple H pay-per-view. So I think that was another thing had, had that it had going for it as well. And another thing as well, you don't really consider this all too much, but the build for the pay-per-view, it's hard to remember all these months later. But I remember going into that show, we had All Out that weekend. We had NXT UK and NXT Worlds Collide. Um, that was a great show. All Out was a very good show. I was most excited for Clash, and that was the show that delivered the most for me. Um, just a quick three, three-and-a-half-hour show. You had Gunther and Sheamus. You had a good six-woman tag team match to open the show. You had Drew and Roman in the main event, the debut of Solo Sokoa, which was great. You had Riddle and Rollins in a very good match. Even Shotzi and, uh, not Shotzi, but Shayna and Liv was a solid match. Um, there may have been one more, but I know we had at least those four or five. It was a great show overall. Their first official major UK pay-per-view in almost 30 years. Well overdue. Hopefully they do another this year, if not next year. And uh, it lived up to the hype. It was a great show. So we move on to the feud of the year, Mr. Marceau. What did you vote for? And what do you think won the vote? Uh, let me see if I have feud of the year. Where is it? Uh, I think I put Cody and Seth, but I can't find it. Okay. Well, what, do you have the other nominees? Right here, I have it right here. I just didn't. I found it. I just didn't have like the header that said. Ah, okay. I have Cody and Seth. It was close. I probably would say Punk and MGF. It's those two were like one two. That was probably one of the ones I was like, eh. Mm-hmm. But I went with Cody and Seth. All right. All right. So coming in last place, no votes for either one. Uh, Jack Perry, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, which I really enjoyed, but there were a lot of other good feuds this year, so that got no votes. And also, Roman and Brock got no votes either. And honestly, I'm not overly surprised because, you know, listen, I know we've seen it a million times, and their best stuff did come last year, um, late last year with the Heyman stuff, and it was kind of more of the same going into WrestleMania. But they still had a very good fucking feud. I loved Roman and Brock. Like, this time around, we talked about it before. But, like, the roles reversed. Brock is the babyface. 
Roman is the heel. Some of the stuff they were doing, the trading of the titles with like Brock winning one title and the winning the other one in the fucking chamber, which was stupid. That whole thing was dumb. Uh, but it was still a good feud. The match itself disappointed the Mania. They rekindled the rivalry in the summer. Didn't exactly do much before the match at SummerSlam, and that match was amazing. So I, I think a few people should have voted for that one, but that's just me. 2.4% of the vote, MJF and Wardlow, which was a great feud, great storyline for as long as it lasted, um, should have gotten more votes. Even Matt Riddle and Rollins also got 2.4% of the votes. Barely any votes for that either, which was also a very good feud. I'm definitely disappointed in uh, the voters for this one. 4.9% beating out all the other ones I just mentioned. Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society. I don't know if it was the... I Listen, I intentionally left out the... Um, what was it, the anarchy in the arena bullshit? I did not put that in my match of the year, even if you could vote for it. It was trash. Trash, 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 in my opinion. Uh, the feud I was not a fan of, so I would, I don't know why that got as many votes as it did. Uh, third place, 17.1% of the vote, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, which, again, some of their best stuff happened last year, but still a very good feud in 2022. And then winning out with 46.3% of the vote, CM Punk versus MJF. And coming in second place, of course, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins with 26.8% of the vote. So not exactly close, but Punk and MJF dominated this poll. Um, and, and they got a ton of votes here. Great feud. Talk about your favorite matches and moments from the Rhodes and Rollins and Punk and MJF feuds for their respective companies. Because I thought both storylines were great. Yeah, I thought they were both good. I mean, obviously the MJF and Punk one kind of lasts a little bit longer. I mean, I feel like Cody... And Seth, they blew it off pretty quickly, obviously, with Cody getting hurt. I think it could have... I mean, I think they still could have... Honestly, they still could, they're probably going to be feuding when he gets back, so I guess it could be an extension. But, no, I thought they had three good matches. I thought the promos were good on Raw. I mean, Cody mm-hmm. was fucking white hot at the time. Obviously, came back to face Rollins. Rollins is... I mean, he was one of the MVPs this year in general, so he was... All their matches were great. I, I, I mean, like I said, I thought the one at WrestleMania Backlash we went to was really fun. The WrestleMania match is good, and even the Hell in a Cell. So, yeah, we only saw them wrestle three times, but, I mean, it was definitely the highlight of Raw, and I thought both guys were, like, peak hitting off on all cylinders. And same with Punk and MGF. I mean, they had a really good feud. Um, I mean, they had the dog they, they had the dog collar match, right? Or my, yeah, yeah, Revolution. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, they had the dog collar match. That was great. And, I mean, I guess it basically set up for MGF to win the belt back. I mean, obviously, I think it was supposed to be against Punk. Mm-hmm. Punk and all that stuff happened, obviously one from Moxley, but no, I, 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 I think, I guess, I wish that it didn't happen because I think MJF's moment would have been bigger if he beat Punk, obviously with him coming back at all out, and seemingly that's the direction it was going in before all the hoopla happened, but uh, I think either, I thought they were pretty 1A, 1B to me. Um, I thought they both were really good and both definitely the top program on either show with like a shot without it, like, like you said, I, I what was third? What was third in the voting? Uh, Bianca and Becky. How much percentage of the vote? Seventeen point one. Yeah, I mean that's still pretty high. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I think those. I mean, they were definitely the best women feud of the year. But I, I think those two, both Punk and MJF and uh, Cody and Seth, were definitely the best programs uh, from either from either company all year. Yeah, no, Rose and Rollins in the first six months of the year when there really wasn't a lot going on on Raw or SmackDown when Vince was in charge. At least he, he got that right. He nailed that feud, and I love the storytelling, too, because Cody comes back as a mystery opponent, which we kind of figured to be him, but we didn't know until it happened, for Rollins. They have a phenomenal match. 
Um, no real story told, just that it was Cody's comeback match. They have a phenomenal match. They could have very easily moved on. They didn't. They had another match that we were there for at WrestleMania Backlash, which was an amazing match. The story going into that one was, hey, listen, Rollins wasn't ready at Mania. He'll be ready this time. They have another kick-ass match to open the show at that pay-per-view. Cody wins again. This time, though, turnabout is fair play. Rollins tried to cheat. Cody reversed. He cheated by pulling the tights. Didn't turn heel or anything. It was just that turnabout is fair play. And that set up a third match. Rollins was pissed. He was desperate. He was going off the deep end. What do I have to do to beat Cody? I know. Let's compete inside Hell in the Cell. They have a Hell in the Cell match. That story surrounding the peck. And Cody wins again. It's not often you see someone win three win three straight major matches. And that headlined the show, too, as it should have. An amazing display of fortitude and um, heart from Cody Rhodes. What a way to go out. Love the feud. Love the feud. Punk and MJF, I would probably put the Rollins and Rhodes matches above the Punk and MJF matches. But Punk and MJF had a great main event on Dynamite. Long match in Chicago back in February. MJF won. Technically twice. And the rematch was the dog collar match of Revolution. A great way to pay it off. Wardlow slips in the brass knucks or whatever, or takes it away from MJF, I think it was. And um, you know, they had that great match, and that was one of the highlights of that show. And uh, yeah, no, I thought the promos leading up to that match as well were phenomenal. MJF was on another level. The teasing of the babyface turn, which Alexis and I were there for in Bridgeport, the shithole Bridgeport. That was a great promo. Bringing up the uh, Ring of Honor stuff was great. The bloody punk visual before the pay-per-view was great. Oh, man. Again, they also did some of their best stuff in late 2021. So the entire feud did not take place this year. But for the three months it lasted for, in the early months of 2022, it was phenomenal. So punk is missed for me, you know, for that stuff alone. Because that was really the value of punk. And at least we got that feud, if nothing else, this year. Punk and MJF, because that was the feud I wanted to see. And before Punk shit went down, what 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 went down the way that it did, I'm glad we at least got that. So I, I agree that was the feud of the year for me. Uh, Rhodes and Rollins, though, is a very close second. We get the shocker of the year, Mr. Marceau. I mean, this goes without saying, an extremely newsworthy year. And there were a lot of stuff on here that I did not include, such as Sasha and Naomi walking out, you know, solos, debut that's more of an on-air thing but his debut a clash helping roman retain was definitely shocking to me i thought that was excellently executed i thought that was perfect you had that the closure of the nxt uk brand and in so much more a lot of shit happened this year um so what did you vote for and what do you think one this is pretty obvious i think but what did you vote for i mean there's only one answer vince mcmahon retiring from WWE. i mean I, if this doesn't win i might as you might as well just hang up the phone with me right now i mean we literally have always said that he'll be around until the day he died. Obviously, extreme circumstances, but, I mean, most of us still to this day don't believe it. So, uh, it has to be Vince McMahon retiring. I mean, it, it is fitting that this is the shocker of the year because it's a shocking category. I'll tell you right now, that actually came in fifth. Well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, will start from the bottom here. No percent of the votes. Uh, Brock Lesnar destroyed. <laughs> I just want to see your reaction. Brock Lesnar destroying <laughs> the ring. I was hung up on it. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for. I was waiting for that fucking dial tone. Um, you would have never voted ever again. I, I would have rigged the vote if that was the case. Brock and uh, you know Roman destroying the ring got no votes. Finn Balor to, to replacing Edge in Judgment Day, which which also shocking by the way, which goes to show you how shocking of a year it was. No votes. Uh, Stone Cold's return from retirement got no votes, and that was the shocking thing, the most shocking thing all year. Uh, no votes for Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Um, after that, you would have to go to 2.5% of the votes. John Moxley squashing CM Punk in, what was it, three minutes? That was incredibly shocking and also very fucking dumb. If I had worst booking decision, I would put that near the top of the list. I, even what, what they did it all out, I still thought that was stupid. 15% of the vote, shockingly, Soraya uh, returning from retirement in AEW. Not a lot of people expected that. Wrestling again, a uh, cool moment for her. Tied with Soraya with 15% of the vote, Brawl Out, everything involving Punk and the Bucks and Omega from All Out Weekend. Again, 15% of the vote, Cody Rhodes leaving AEW for WWE. A very shocking story, only to be trumped with 52.5% of the vote, Vince McMahon retiring from WWE. You said it yourself, Mr. Marceau, um, something we never expected to happen because we thought the man would die in the fucking chair in Gorilla, but... No, I mean, we have to think whoever leaked that uh, story to the Wall Street Business Journal back in June of him being a sex pest and all the money paid out to all these women and all this other sort of shit um, being heavily investigated. And even then, even then, you can check the archives. We did not think anything would really come out of it. He would be in hot water for a little while. It would die down. He thought, he's thinking now, oh, we should have given it more time to die down. I could still be in the chair right now. Fuck no, stay the fuck home, please. But um, listen, it didn't die down. It only got worse, and they had no choice but to kind of force him out into an early retirement. So uh, Vince gone, Triple H taken over, probably the best thing to happen to wrestling, aside from AEW becoming a thing, in the last 20 years since WCW died. Oh, easily, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm 50% might not be high enough. I, mean, I agree, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the problem is, too, is like with the generation out of like spoilers and, and stuff like that, I mean, like, Stone Cold coming back was surprising, but it's like it was also heavily rumored. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Stone Cold's coming back. So like, I don't know, stuff like that. Even like the Soraya, fifteen percent seems a little bit high. But I mean, the thing with Vince, like, man, that was like shocking is an understatement. Um, that was like one of the most shocking things. One, we didn't think it was going to happen, and it just like randomly one day it was like I retire. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's not like with these other things that something was teased. Like, oh yeah, Cody might be going back to WWE, or Soraya might be coming back to wrestle. Like, this literally just. One day happened, and we just moved on. Yeah, and even that was in light of all the allegations already. It's not as if they wasn't... I mean, there, there was talk about, like, okay, what's what's going to happen here? Even in light of all the allegations, which happened about a month earlier than when from when he retired, we still didn't think he was going to step down. Especially right before a SummerSlam and everything else that was going on at that point. It was pure madness. And we were in the heat of it in, in SummerSlam, at SummerSlam in Nashville, hearing all about it whatnot. It was just uh, a crazy, crazy time. And uh, that by far will be not only the most shocking story of the year, but the most important, I think, wrestling story of the decade. Again, like I said, in addition to AEW coming around, giving more people jobs, giving WWE a run for their money and everything else, that was the best thing to happen to wrestling since WCW died, which was arguably one of the worst things to ever happen to wrestling. Um, Vince McMahon stepping down has already seen... It's already paying dividends. Triple H's creative is much better. Far from a perfect show, but he's brought back talent. He's changed things that Vince McMahon changed that were issues. He's righting a lot of wrongs. The stock is doing better. The ratings are at least consistent, if not higher, for shows like SmackDown. He's making a lot of the right moves, and I'm excited to see where Triple H is going to be at this time a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Here's hoping he can stay healthy. Because, again, that's another shocking thing, dude. 
at this time a year ago, Triple H, it sounded like he was on his deathbed and he was never coming back. And Stephanie got, not let go, but she stepped down. She was getting buried on her way out and all these dirt sheet articles and whatnot. Shane getting fired. That was another thing I didn't include. Shane was in the Rumble, was in the Final Four, I think, got thrown out, got sent home, and was never brought back after that. That's, that's another, again, the McMahons had an extremely shocking year. No, yeah, definitely. I honestly totally forgot about Shane's. They just mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That whole, yeah, that was crazy, too. He got that whole, he wanted to basically like win the fucking match at that point. So, But no, yeah, I think, like you said, 2022, especially the beginning of the year, like when they said Cody coming was definitely one of the bigger wrestling shocking moments. So, I mean, WWE had that part, and then obviously Vince McMahon. I mean, they stole the headlines there, but uh, definitely a big shocking year for them. Like I said, Triple H was... Had that cardiac event last year. He didn't think he was going to come back. Stephanie was kind of getting run through the mud. I mean, definitely a huge, shocking year for WWE. But, I mean, like you said, their stock's doing better. TV's been more consistent. I think once the NFL's done, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see Raw becoming a more viewed program as well. And we'll get more of... I think it's still kind of in the transition period. You can't just drop everything just because Triple H took over and Vince is gone. So I think the next year we'll definitely get, like the full swath of what Triple H's vision is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still can't just, like I said, overnight just change everything. So I think the next year we'll definitely see kind of what he, he can bring to the table and what we've seen so far, especially with Smack. Like I said, Raw's, I think, is just tough with the three hours. It's just, you're going to have parts that drag. You can't just have everything be right in your face for three hours. But uh, uh, hopefully we can see some improvement uh, in 2023. I agree already from what we've seen in the last five months. I am optimistic for the future of WWE's on-air product, at least, with Triple H in charge uh, for both Raw and SmackDown. A much more bearable show is Monday Night Raw. SmackDown has improved infinitely under Triple H. Storylines are better. Um, Just matches are getting more time and stuff like the formatting of the shows is better. Not changing as many names, not booking as many dumb things. I mean, there's been dumb booking decisions under Triple H, but not nearly as many as there would have been under Vince McMahon. So it's a breath of fresh air. Now, again, not only did Vince step down, Triple H took over creative. I mean, it was a it was a one-two punch of good shit. And at least we're ending the year with all the shocking stuff that happened on a high note with WWE. And AEW appears to be on the ascent as well after kind of having a, a down period coming out of Brawl Out, which was also equally shocking. Most likely to break out from WWE and AEW in 2023, a new category here. Um, I think last year might have been WWE and AEW separate categories. I included it in one this year. So who did you vote for, Mr. Marceau? Who do you think won it? Last year, by the way, it was Daniel Garcia, and he did break out for five minutes before they cooled him off, and we haven't seen him since. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not over that. I mean, I almost didn't vote on this category just because he won last year. But uh, (laughs) I think this one was pretty easy based on the kind of, I guess, the nominees uh i went montez ford i feel like he stuck out the most i mean i like santos as well um but i think with with ford i feel like you could see a a good singles push coming i mean i don't expect Esquire to really get above a certain level so um i think he'd be probably my second choice but i think ford has a good chance of becoming from a tag team guy to a, a good singles guy to possibly up getting into the main event i, I wouldn't say that Next year, but probably 2024, 2025. I'm surprised it didn't happen this year. I'm glad it didn't. They're taking their time with him, but I'm surprised they didn't pull the trigger on a Prophet's turn already. I'm surprised they're, uh, they've waited this long. I wouldn't even break them up. I would just have them go their separate ways, still team on occasion, have Ford do his own thing, maybe even try to push Dawkins because he's improved a lot as well. He had a really good year. But anyway, um, most likely to break out. Coming in last place, 2.4% of the votes. 
A.R. Fox, who was just signed recently. I did not put Andrew Andretti, Action Andretti, whatever his name is, because he that whole thing happened, uh, you know, after he earned his contract. But A.R. Fox, uh, A.R. Fox rather was last. Four point eight percent of the vote after that was uh, Preston Ten Vance, who just turned on Dark Order and is joined Andrade. Uh, tied with nine point five percent of the vote, Candice LeRae and Santos Escobar. Um, yeah, so Escobar was down there. He was in the bottom half of the poll. I was a little surprised by that. Um, 11.9% of the vote was Willow Nightingale, who I think has a very bright feature ahead of her. I think uh, she's obviously signed now, and she's great. Winning the whole thing, we had uh, tied for second place, and then winning the whole thing. I'll just give you the winning the whole thing first. L.A. Knight with 28.6% of the vote, and then tied for second was Montez Ford with 167 and Kanosuke Takeshka also with 16.7% of the vote. So uh, Montez Ford was up there. Santos, not so much. I think all of these people honestly could have uh, you know, bright features ahead of them if pushed the right way. None of these are like, ah, I don't really care. Or like, oh, I'm kind of surprised that whatever. I like all of these people, so I hope they all do have great years in 2023. I think LA Knight to me was kind of a shoo-in just because he is in a bigger program right now with Bray Wyatt. I mean, I guess... It, could I have included it's but the thing was I included him because yeah he's broken out a little bit but it's not like he's won any championships he only just became LA Knight a month or two ago that's why I included him I didn't put Austin Theory in here because he's a two-time US champion he won money in the bank this year you know I didn't include him for obvious reasons he already did kind of break out LA Knight I think would be a much bigger star in 2023 and rise even higher up the card than where he is right now I like Takeshka a lot they officially signed him he's fucking awesome so uh, I'm all with him getting a push, and Montez Ford is also great for the reasons you mentioned earlier. So your thoughts on L.A. Knight winning the vote? Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I think he's good. Like I said, I think maybe because, like you said, it's more the fact that he is in a bigger program right now. But that's not, I mean, I guess I guess that is breaking up, but it's not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we'll see. I, I guess I put in the, I actually kind of, for him, I, I, I yeah, I guess he's getting his moment. I just like he also is on the older side. I mean, we'll see how Triple H kind of deals with those people. But usually, once you get in your late thirties, early forties, you're you're kind of dead at that point. I think he's in his early forties, I believe. I mean, yeah, he turned forty mid- recently. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I th- I think the direction they're going in. Obviously, like I said his first like big programs with Bray Wyatt, who's been out of the company for for a year at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. We'll see where he goes. I mean. Definitely will start the year off hot, like you said, because he's going to be with Bray Bray here. But uh, I I don't know. I just I I think Ford. uh, Just like you said, I I I thought we were going to get it this year, but it just never really seemingly happened. But uh, I think he got hurt a little bit as well. Yep. Um, But no, I I I think LA Knight will have, like you said, I think all these people have a pretty good year. Um, But uh, no, it's it's I think this one's just tough to say, just because you are basically. Especially with the younger people, you're basically projecting potential or uh, you're projecting what you think should happen or what they can do. Um, But uh, no, I think all these people have a bright future. You know, I talked about my 2023 predictions for wrestling on Hashtag on Wednesday. Here's a prediction for you. I got LA Knight winning Money in the Bank this year and Montez Ford winning next year. How about that for a prediction? Uh, That's not exactly bold, but that's my prediction. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. I, the, I think the LA Knight one might be more bold than the other one. I don't know. I, it seems like you're a lot higher on him than, 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 I mean, you're a lot higher on him than I am, anyways. Mm-hmm. But, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Money yeah, we'll in the see. Bank. I don't know. I feel like whoever wins needs to win the bell. I mean, we've oh, had like correct. Yeah. lose in a row, but uh, no, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we don't need another Austin Theory filled cash, and especially on a fucking mid card title. So I don't know if he's beating Roman Reigns for the championship, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I could see them also putting the briefcase on a Cody Rhodes if he doesn't win at Mania, which he should. That's a whole other story. But anyway, so we'll see what the future's got in store for those uh, up and coming folks. We already talked about most dis- most disappointing wrestler uh, not getting any votes, unfortunately, due to the uh, glitch. AEW's best signing of the year, though. Uh, this was a new category I included as well. Who'd you vote for, and who do you think won? Christ, give me a second. AEW uh, signing of the year. So it was Athena, Claudio, Keith Lee, Samoa Joe, Soraya, Swerve Strickland, Tony Storm, and William Regal. I mean, if you know me, you know who I vote for. Swerve all day. <laughs> Swerve, for me, like I think he was not that like on paper. He was definitely not the best signing they had. I mean, he's not definitely not the biggest name of all these people, but... The people that they signed, and I feel like he's done the most or felt the most push or the most buzz, it has to be Swerve. I mean, he's definitely been the best book person they've signed. He's over. I mean, we'll see what happens with this new group. But, I mean, him and Keith were very popular. But I just feel like even when he was having his singles matches, he was having really good matches on the show. But uh, I, I think it's him. I, I, I Assuming it's like Soraya will probably win the vote, but... But uh, I, I said Swerve, obviously. All right. And also, not only did he get the most buzz, like you said, and stuff like that, but I would go a step farther and say he he did some of the best work of anyone on this list, including just in AEW in general, um, whether it be in the tag team stuff with Keith Lee or doing the heel stuff now. I don't like the new faction shit that he's got going on. That was an awful debut last week. We talked about it last week. But as a heel, he's done amazing work. So, uh, yeah, the Swerve and her glory stuff lasted a little longer than it should have, a lot longer than it should have. You know, in my opinion, but um, still did great work. So let's get into it here. Uh, last place, no votes at all. Please do swerve. No votes. <laughs> swerve. I'm just kidding. No swerve. Swerve got votes. Um, Athena got no votes. She's the new Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. Now, she's doing great work now, but she didn't really do a lot before this, so I get it. Also, 0%. Swerve's partner, Keith Lee. No votes at all. Wow. Yeah, so which is interesting because he was tag team champion for a little while, and I think honestly he has more world champion, he's more world champion material than anyone else listed. So the fact that he lost and got no votes is very surprising. That was the thing though. This was kind of how you interpreted it. My interpretation was who's done the best work this year of who they signed, but you can also interpret it who has the brighter future for their respective division going forward. And I would argue Keith Lee, but apparently the voters did not agree because he got no votes. Uh, with 4.7% of the vote, Tony Storm. Who, uh, yeah, she did well this year. I mean, she was, you know, she had a good little reign as world, a women's world champion. She came in, had great matches. Uh, would still like to see her on TV a little bit more. But listen, she took the ball, she ran with it. For all the women they bring in and they don't do shit, she did a lot this year. And I think she had a great run. She's honestly had a very good run in AEW so far. So I agree with that. 14% of the vote, Soraya. Which is interesting, Whoa, yeah, because she only she only came in in September, so it's not like she's had this kick-ass run. I mean, she had that good debut. She came in the next week, cut that awful promo. So she's had a bit of an up and down run. The match with Britt wasn't exactly great. Um, she's an example of someone who I think can do a lot of good for that division in the long run, as opposed to what she's done so far. So she is a nice signing for that division. Sixteen point three percent of the vote in fourth place, Samoa Joe, who I fucking love right now. Um, love the work he's doing as TNT champion, Ring of Honor World Television champion, main event at Dynamite on Wednesday, beat Wardlow. 
Love Joe. He's had a great run this year. Third place, 18.6% of the vote, William Regal. So he's in third place. And honestly, I think he should have won. Now, that's If I had to vote for my own shit, I would give Regal because he put over Moxley. He put over Claudio. He put over Yuta. He put over MJF on his way out. He put over everyone. He was on the show weekly, weekly fixture. No one was featured more consistently on TV than him. I would say him, but I agree with, you know, I agree with Swerve and everyone else. So he was third. Coming in first place with 25 points. And this was pretty evenly distributed for the most part. 25.6% of the vote. Claudio Castagnoli in Swerve was second with 20.9% of the vote, Mr. Marceau. So your thoughts on Claudio being the best signing? I, I, I Like I said, I would have voted for Regal. You voted for Swerve. But Claudio ended up winning. Two-time Ring of Honor World Champion. 25.6% of the vote. Yeah, I was going to say, was this voting? Was the voting uh, Ring of Honor's best signing or AEW's best signing? <laughs> Just pulling your chain there. Good uh, thing. Listen, good, I, good I, question, I, though. I guess it's the same company. I guess they're owned by the same person. But no, I, th- I mean, I, I like Claudio. I think he's done pretty good work. Like you said, the, the whole Blackpool Combat Club, I think he's been a good good fit. Him and Moxley recently are him and teaming together and had some pretty good matches. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I feel like one of the bigger WWE guys, like I said, I said Soraya. If you had to give me another guess, I probably would have said Claudio. Um, but no, I, I, th- I think he's been, him and Swerve, I think both have done pretty good pretty good work. Like I said, I just think Swerve, like, it wasn't like he was the biggest signing of all time. Like, he was in hit row. Like, he had potential. No one really was like, oh, that's a great signing. Um, but I, I think he's definitely been, for best, like, I guess I would say, like, the bang for your buck. I feel like he's definitely been their, their best signing so far. No, I agree. No, for sure. He's done great work. He could have even a higher ceiling in 2023. We talked about it last week. What is his ceiling in AEW? And I don't know about world champion. You agreed. I mean, he could be. I mean, I think he's, <clears throat> I think he's talented enough, but... um. You know, definitely TNT champion at some point, uh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, we'll see where he goes in 2023. I hope he didn't peak this year as far as how they booked him. Because he honestly, because for a guy that debuted on the same show as Regal, Regal got all the buzz that night of Revolution. Swerve didn't get a lot at all. Hardy debuted a couple days later. He was kind of overshadowed for a little while. But he really came out. He showed up, showed out, had great matches, great character work. And he's done well for himself. For a guy that didn't really have a chance to show his skills a lot in WWE. So, very happy for Swerve. Claudio's had a good run. Like I said, two-time Ring of Honor champion. He is all elite. He is an AW wrestler, but you're right. A lot of his accolades happened in Ring of Honor. Uh, He was only Ring of Honor champion initially for like two months before he dropped it to Jericho. He only won the belt back a couple weeks ago. So, I would still go with Regal. I agree with Swerve. Claudio has been great. He's been fine. I'm surprised. Not, Not overly surprised he won, but, you know, that's what the voters picked. Uh, WWE's best return of the year, and Lord knows we had a lot of returns. Last year, I, I changed the category because last year it was most disappointing departure because we had so many releases and no real signings. Um, this year, we had a lot of returns. So, who'd you vote for, Mr. Marceau, and who do you think won? This is such a tough one. Uh, this was another one that just was like, uh, I voted for Cody. Um, it's tough because it's like you said, the best. I think, honestly, if you want to say on a consistent basis, it's tough because also people have been brought back at different times. Like when Cody came back, I mean, he was like the best thing going. Like he mm-hmm. was the top dog on Raw. He was the reason people watch Raw. Like he was the man, uh, obviously, until he got hurt. Bray was obviously like the bigger moment. But I, I would say if you flesh out what he's done so far, I definitely would say Cody's 
first three months back were better than the three months that we've had with Bray. I mean, Braun's been probably the most over-consistent. I mean, Cody was on the show as well. Him and Cody, I would say, were pretty consistent. Like, Braun's so fucking over. But on SmackDown, like, he is... I, I'd probably say if we're going to go with a consistent basis, I would probably say it's between them. Um, damage control. I mean, the, the moment was good. The aftermath's been... We know what the aftermath's been. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, I mean, he got brought back, you know, he's doing comedy stuff. I like carrying, but they've kind of spun their wheels. I feel like they brought him back to face Drew, and he's done seemingly nothing since. I mean, I guess he's doing this Rey Mysterio thing, or Mad Cat Moss and, and Emma, but, I mean, going from Drew McIntyre to that, it's not really the best uh, thing. Ronda, we talked about Ronda earlier. I just, yeah, Stone Cold, I mean, he just had the one match, but uh, I, I, I think Cody's is the best. I mean, I like Bray coming back, but like I said, I'm, also looking at what he's done and really hasn't done anything. I mean, he's been talking to himself for like six weeks on Raw, on SmackDown. Uh, Cody was the best thing on Raw. He wrestled, had great promos, had great matches on pay-per-view for the, the three or four months he was back before he got injured. I would go with Cody. I think Bray will win, but on a consistency basis, I would say he was the best return. This is another one up for interpretation because the way I, I should probably include descriptions in these voting, but the way that I interpreted it, and you, everyone interprets it differently, is best return itself as a moment. So does that change anything for you or no? I know you mentioned that, but... That no, change? I mean, I think when you heard wrestling, there's more than one royal family, I fucking jumped off the couch. And, <laughs> get and we, we joked about so, that months earlier, too, for the Rumble, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Co- uh, Braves was good, too. Uh, obviously, we didn't know. Same with Rollins. I was like, oh, it was, is it gonna be him? Like, we had an inkling, we didn't know, but uh, I, I would still go with Cody. All right, all right. So let's see who people voted for here. Last place, tie, three-way tie, no votes at all. No votes at all for any of these three people. People just did not care about these returns compared to the other ones on the list. Karrion Cross, sorry, your return wasn't good enough to make the list. Braun Strowman, sorry, your return what? wasn't good enough to make the list. <laughs> On Raw, when he came back, I thought it was cool, but apparently not cool enough for the viewer, for the voters here. Zero percent of the vote. Johnny, sorry, your return wasn't good enough to save the list, to make the list. Even though his return was great, like he came out of nowhere and it was like, oh shit, he's back and it was awesome. He came back with Rebel Heart. Apparently the voters don't give a fuck about Johnny Gargano or Strowman or Karrion Cross. So now we get into the uh, the ones that did have votes. 2.4% of the votes. Ronda Rousey. Now, again, the run sucked, but I thought the return itself of the run. Honestly. Yeah, well, listen, I thought the return was very good, though. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool, and she won. People weren't happy when she won. I mean, in, in the audience, they were cheering, but, you know, people online were upset. I didn't give a fuck. I thought it was cool that she won, and I was happy to see her back, although her run has been very underwhelming so far. Um, third place tied. Two-way tie here. 14.3% of the vote for each. Stone Cold Steve Austin for, again, that was one match. It wasn't a run. And also tied for third, Bray Wyatt. Wow! So first place with 52.4% of the vote was Cody Rhodes, unsurprisingly. But second place was probably even more shocking, 16.7% of the vote, damage control. That is really surprising. I mean, I guess when they did, like you said, their return or... It was cool. Listen, yeah. Yeah. It was great, but and we that, were there. Depends, I guess you got to depend on the moment. Like something that we didn't see coming at all. At the moment, I was like, "Oh my god, this is sick." Um, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it, like you said, it, it's definitely due to interpretation. Like, if I was basing it off the moment itself, like, yeah, I fucking, we marked our ass out when that happened. But, I mean, looking at their whole run as a whole, I mean, it's been terrible. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's surprising, but like you said, it, it's due to interpretation. If we're going off the return itself, we didn't think, and we didn't even know it was going to happen. Like, like I said, even with the Cody stuff, it's like there was like a thought that it could be him, obviously with him and Seth. Same with Bray, like there was rumors he'd come back. Like we had no idea that Bailey was going to come back, or that she was like kind of like, oh, Bailey might be coming back. But like Sky and in Dakota Kai, like there was no no one could have guessed that. Yeah, yeah, no, that was definitely surprising. It was a great moment. We again, we were there, we were marking that. We thought it was the coolest thing. It was a great moment. I'm just surprised I got more votes than Bray Wyatt, which I thought was to me the second best return of the year. <coughs> The Bray Wyatt one was great. It was perfectly executed. It was the culmination of the White Rabbit stuff. Um, I would have put Damage Control 3, personally, and then Bray Wyatt 2, but that's just me. The Cody one is undisputed, though. I mean, he went from, what, what's his line? The whole undesirable to undeniable. Uh, there was a lot of buzz going into it. Like you said, it was rumored heavily going in. We didn't know for a fact until we heard that music. But listen, that's part of it, too. The match with Rollins was perfect. It practically was the perfect return because the match with Rollins was great. He beats a big name in Rollins clean. But not only that, the return itself, the reaction, people remembered him. They followed his AEW run. He came out with the AEW music. People went fucking nuts with the intro and all. Came out of the Cody Vader pyro, logo, <laughs> graphics, everything, dude, was AEW Cody to a T. You can't top that, so... Um, that was an incredible moment, and I think the um, one of those WrestleMania moments that will go down in history for sure. The Cody Vader. <laughs> yeah, the Cody Vader. Listen, I hope he's uh, in Mania this year and he can get that Cody Vader back, but uh, that would be quite the one-year arc to go from returning at Mania to, win the, to winning the belt at Mania. I feel like that'd be pretty fucking cool. Um, but yeah, him dominating this poll does not surprise me because I thought that return was just amazing. So, um, yeah, very happy to see Cody back and we'll hopefully he'll have another great return. Hopefully in 2023, maybe he'll make this uh, best return list again. If he returns in the rumble and wins the whole thing. So now we get to women's match of the year. What'd you vote for Mr. Marceau? And uh, who do you think won? Uh, this was an easy one for me. It was Bianca and Bailey from WrestleMania. No, uh, Uh, Bianca, you mean, I think you said Bailey by accident. Bianca and Becky, my bad. Right. Too many. Bianca and Becky from for Mania, <laughs> and even their match at SummerSlam was really good. But this match at WrestleMania was just probably one of the best matches I've ever seen for the women, and yep. I think it culminated like a great feud that they had. Bianca finally got her moment from Becky from SummerSlam the year before. It just it it, it, it was an amazing match. I didn't want to put on too many repeats as a uh, disclaimer here, so I did not include their SummerSlam rematch, which was also great. We were there for that one. Great match. Did not include that. Um, I also did not include, looking back in, and now I probably should have either of the Bailey bianca matches. I didn't want to put Bianca on too many times, but she was really the star of the year for the women. Um, I put a, I could have put the ladder match on there or their last man standing match, which was also great, but again, didn't want to, didn't want to have too many Bianca matches. So coming in last place, 2.4% of the vote from the February 11th SmackDown, Charlotte Flair and Naomi, which was a very good match that I would recommend people go out of their way to watch. But Naomi's probably best match ever in WWE. 4.9% of the vote, three-way tie here with a 4.9 for all three. The Women's War Games match from Survivor Series a few weeks ago. Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm from Forbidden Door. And Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb from Double or Nothing. So those are all second to last. 9.8% of the vote, uh, both of them here were tied for third place. 
Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter, which was a great match from Full Gear. Um, I would have probably put Jamie versus Sakura Shida on here if it happened before December 1st, but it didn't, unfortunately, uh, before I made the polls. And tied with that was Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa when Thunder Rosa won the title in a steel cage from St. Patrick's Day Slam, winning the category with 51.2% of the vote. Becky Lynch and Bianca, as you mentioned, from WrestleMania 38 for the Raw Women's title. And in second place, I'm surprised as many people remember this to vote for it, but Bianca, Becky, and Asuka from Hell in the Cell, the triple threat for the Raw Women's title, which was also an awesome opener and an excellent match. So, uh, yeah, talk a little bit more about Becky and Bianca and how great of a match that was. And I would agree, it definitely was one of, if not the best, women's match in WrestleMania history. It was just an amazing match. Like you said, just like the story arc was there. Um, like you said, Becky came back at SummerSlam, beat her. I uh, went to the Raw a couple months ago, a couple months later when they had that rematch, mm-hmm. great rematch Raw. Um, and then, like you said, Becky's bragging. She hasn't lost. Has like that little bit of range. She's beating like Dewdrop and kind of the underneath people. Bianca's starting to get built up again. She faces Becky. I mean, it, and it was like you said, it was just an amazing match. Finally got her moment over Becky. It's like two, like a, it was just, it was great. I mean, the story arc, the the match itself, it, it was it was really good. Yeah, it was great. Becky had a really good run there in between facing Bianca. Uh, both times at SummerSlam and the heel turn and everything. She had those matches in between with Liv Morgan that were really, really good. She had a lot of very good matches with Liv Morgan. The Dewdrop match was good. Uh, she had a match with Lita. Fucking Lita came back this year out of retirement and had that great Rumble showing. And she faced Becky at Elimination Chamber, which was also really, really good. So Becky was killing it as a heel. And then Bianca finally avenges you know, that loss, exercises her demons, wins the belt. Oh, it was so good. So yeah, I would agree that to me was the women's match of the year as well. Um, just really, really good stuff. And they closed out their chapter perfectly one year later at SummerSlam with a rematch, which was also really, really good. Bianca wins, Becky turns face afterward. One year after beating Bianca and turning heel. Like, you can't write it any better than that. It was perfect. So we get into our final few categories here, since we already talked about men's match of the year earlier. Um, the WWE and AEW tag teams of the year. We'll start with AEW first. Uh, who'd you vote for, and who do you think won? Uh, I voted for FTR, obviously, greatest tag team in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think they, oh God, I think they should win. Um, I mean, they had so many tag teams this year, but I just feel like not a lot of them did anything. They claimed they've been pretty good. Um, Swerving a Glory, like I said, had a good reign. Darby and Sting, they'd only wrestle on pay-per-views, back with Combat Club. I went FTR. I mean, <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I feel like Blackpool Combat Club can win, but I, I think it's FTR. Okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you right now, before we go any further, it really comes down to two teams. They got a... No other poll was as... I don't know if it was as close. This was very close, um, but it really only comes... A majority of the votes went to two teams, and the rest of them got almost nothing. So, in last place with 0%, no votes for either or any of these three teams, Jurassic Express, none, which is funny because they were tag team champions for, what, five... Five, six I just months. said they were tag team champions like the whole half of the year. For for the good first half of the year, how quickly people forget uh, they were not voted for at all. I didn't even bother putting Red Dragon on here because they were in there for a cup of coffee. Uh, Death Triangle. I put. I, I'm I'm going to include trios going forward because uh, they were trios champions and they were also Lucha Bros were tag team champions for the first day of the year. Um, no votes for them. Darby Allen and Sting. I've enjoyed them as a team. No votes at all. 2.5% of the vote. Uh, Swerve in our glory. So the first team that had votes was Swerve. They were in 4th, uh, 5th place here. 
Fourth place with 5% of the votes was Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I love them. I love Blackpool. They had a great year. The problem with them was that they weren't consistent. They didn't chase tag team gold. They didn't chase trios gold. They were just kind of there. Um, not They didn't have a lot of direction beyond the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff. So that's the problem there. Although they did have a good year. 7.5% of the vote. The Young Bucks slash the Elite. Because they weren't around for most of the year, it felt like. But they still got you know a couple good matches in there with FTR, among other people. So it only comes down to two teams. Winning the poll. The top team got 45% of the vote. The second team got 40% of the vote. Winning for AEW's Tag Team of the Year, The Acclaimed. And second was FTR. That really surprised me. The Acclaimed had a great year, and I'm glad they're champions. They're really fucking over. The thing with The Acclaimed, though, they had a good year. They didn't really get super, super hot. It felt like they were over all year. They didn't really get hot until after Forbidden Door. After the Gun Club stuff, they won the titles. And that was it. FTR were great all year long. They were barely on the show for most of the year, it felt like, but they were consistently hot. They won three different tag titles and three different promotions. Matched the year contenders with the Briscoes, the Bucks, um, a few other tag teams as well. Excuse me. Um, I would go FTR, but the acclaimed aren't a bad choice. I'm just surprised they won the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think they, like you said, I think they had a good year. I feel like, it was, like you said, it was more to the light, like right when All Out, I mean, by the time All Out came, that's when they really were over, and that's when they didn't win the belts, and they won that grand slam. Um, but I mean, I think they're 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 over definitely. I just I mean, best tag team. I mean, it's FCR all day. I mean, they could work with broomsticks and have a good match. So um, I think Acclaimed are definitely hot, and hopefully they can get away from the the scissoring stuff and kind of focus on them. But uh, I, I think that they, they're definitely out of the other teams like Jurassic Express and. And Swerve and Glory, other teams that had one belt throughout the year, they're definitely uh, the most interesting. Just because maybe just because they're newer, younger, do uh, we haven't really seen a lot of them? But uh, mm-hmm. no, I, I I would say they were probably the second team I would have put on the list. And not only that, too, I will give AEW credit. How often have we said they've put the belts, the tag titles specifically, on teams that were over, they missed their opportunity, and then they put the belts on them? Jurassic Express, Lucha Bros were another example. I feel like they should have been champions years ago. And Jurassic Express's reign wasn't overly interesting as a result of that. They were over, but not as over as they were two or three years ago. Um, You know, FTR were champions pretty quickly. The Bucks were champions for a while. So, it was primarily those two teams. I'm glad they capitalized on the Acclaim's popularity. They didn't just have them be over and then have them lose. He actually put the belts on them, did Tony Khan. So, I got to give him credit for that. He had a great year. They had a great year. And FTR were the best team of the year. They are the best team in the world to me as well. I would agree with that. And for a team that is the best team in the world that held three tag titles simultaneously, the AEW tag team titles eluded them. Their second reign eluded them. Not only that, dropping the Ring of Honor tag titles a final battle a couple weeks ago, they just lost the Triple H tag team titles, uh, the Triple A tag titles on Wednesday, and they're probably dropping the New Japan titles in Wrestle Kingdom in a couple weeks. So uh, 2023 could be a very interesting year for FTR as far as where they end up next. No, definitely. I mean, we, we kind of, once we heard the rumors that, that they were, their contracts were coming up and like I said, they didn't win AEW gold all year and held these other tag team titles. I feel like we just, you know, once they lost the ring of honor belts to the Briscoes, it kind of was more of a matter of if not when they dropped those other belts. Like I said, they just dropped the triple A belts. I expect them to drop the IWGP at Wrestle Kingdom and I think they will be free agents. I mean, I think if WWE returns in the future, I don't think they'll go there right away, but I mean, I, I think that's definitely in the horizon. 
I would like to see it. I would love to see that. And hopefully they can uh, maybe pick up a couple more tag team titles before they go back and then go back to WWE. And Listen, their tag team division, is as good as AEW's is, they still have issues. But even their tag team division is more featured consistently than WWE's. They have the Usos and I mean, they have a couple other good teams, but it's really the Usos and that's about it. So uh, the Usos and FTR would be incredible, though, to, to be fair. Um, so we'll see what the future holds for them in 2023. For the WWE Tag Team of the Year, I mentioned the Usos. They dominated the majority of the year. I assume they got your vote, and I assume that's who you vote, uh, who you think is going to win as well. Yeah, it's the Usos. I mean, there wasn't really anyone else close. So let's get into it. Zero percent of the votes for half of these teams. I mean, this was a landslide for obvious reasons. No votes for four of the eight teams. Profits, no votes. Pretty Deadly had a great year. No votes at all. They had a great year in NXT, I will say. They were a breakout team. Uh, after being NXT UK Tag Team Champions for most of 2021. Uh, the Creed Brothers, also good year. No votes. Alpha Academy had a great year, I thought. They were Raw Tag Team Champions for a little while. Uh, they've been all over Raw, very entertaining. Lose way more than they win. No votes. Uh, we get into fourth place here. Um, let's see, tied for actually third place. 2.5% of the votes. RK Bro. Uh, their best work came last year, but they were also really good for the first five uh, five months of the year. This year, and uh, second place, tied for second place, Damage Control and Toxic Attraction with 5% of the votes each. So two women's teams actually getting the second place, tied for second place. First place, the Usos, no surprise there, 87.5% of the vote. I, I'm honestly surprised it's not even higher because they're the only team I think anyone should have even voted for. Yeah, I mean, I think for WWE, they were like the standalone team. I mean, like you said, I feel like hopefully this year, Triple H will definitely put more interest in the tag team division. Like you said, I think they have some decent teams there. Hopefully that'll be like a project for 2023. But, uh, I mean, I, th- I think if you look in Toxic Attraction, I mean, they were women's tag team champions on, on, on NXT for pretty much the majority of the year. They were all over the show with Mandy. As well, so I mean, I think they were probably. I would say they're probably the second, if I was voting. But mm-hmm. uh, no, it, 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 it was the year dominated by the Usos. Yeah, I mean, look at the year they had. They they literally lasted the entire year as SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Broke the record for the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. Broke the New Day's record. Became the undisputed tag team champions, combining the Raw and SmackDown tag titles by beating RKO back in May. Consistent defenses. Say what you will about Roman, but the Usos have had a lot of defenses as tag team champions, especially this year. They had the match, two matches with the New Day to start the year. The street fight on SmackDown, which I was there for the first SmackDown of the year. They faced the New Day at day one. Two great matches. They've always had great matches. They retained the titles against the Viking Raiders on SmackDown before Mania. They beat Nakamura and Boogs at Mania. People forget all about that. They beat them, I think, to open WrestleMania night 138. Um, they also, again, won the six-man at WrestleMania Backlash. They beat Riddle and Nakamura on SmackDown to retain the titles on, I think, in June. Uh, July, they beat the Profits and Money in the Bank. And again, at SummerSlam, two awesome matches, specifically Money in the Bank. Fantastic match. They beat the Mysterios on Raw. They recently beat Owens and Riddle. They beat Owens and Rollins recently on Raw. They beat the Brawling Brutes a bunch of times. The New Day had an amazing match with them on SmackDown, coming out of Crown Jewel to break the record. Uh, so many good matches from the Usos. Not just how many matches they've had, but the consistency as far as who they've beaten is also very, very high. No, definitely. I mean, they've also had a ton of good single matches as well. Mostly Jay, but um, even that, I mean, like I said, I, even the worst part is you named all these defenses. They still lose a lot. They do. They um, lose a lot of the non-title matches, sure. 
which is just to me i just have never understood that it's like it's like why would you ever it's like booking a singles champion just to lose all the time just to win their defenses i don't know it just makes no sense at all but uh no i i hope like i said hopefully 2023 it's definitely a point of emphasis to uh revitalize the tag team divisions Hopefully, hopefully we can get more teams that are uh, kind of fighting for that top spot, and it's not just the Usos in 2023. I would say Owens and Zayn, hopefully, if they're the ones to take the tag titles, as they should be from the Usos and Mania. Uh, maybe they reunite DIY. Maybe they bring another tag team from other promotions. Maybe FTR ends up on this list for WWE next year. We'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the new year, though. Now we get to the male and female wrestlers of the year. Uh, not broken down by only by gender, not by company. So who'd you vote for for Female Wrestler of the Year, Mr. Marceau, and who do you think won? This was a tough one. I mean, for me, it was between Bianca and Becky. Mm -hmm. Uh, I sided with Bianca. I just thought she had the more complete year. I mean, Becky, like I said, Becky did have some good stuff at the beginning of the year. Uh, Once she lost the belt to Bianca, I mean, I'm pretty sure she was off TV for a while, and then she came back. Um, But, I mean, Bianca's been champion pretty much since the whole year. I mean, WrestleMania's the beginning of the year. So basically the whole year, um, she was doing good stuff before she... She won the belt. Um, I mean, I, I, I think this year was the year of the EST, so uh, I won't with Bianca here. All right, all right. So we get to uh, last place first. Zero percent of the votes. Again, no votes for any of these three women. Thunder Rosa, very surprising because she won the wow. belt back in March. Not a single vote for Rosa. She was champion for a good while before she got hurt in early September, late August. She was champion for like five months. That goes to show you how... Not forgettable, but how unimpactful her reign is. Another, again, another very disappointing year for her because she started out the year really, really hot. And then she had a bunch of matches as champion and some really good matches too with Deeb and, and Storm. Had that Nyla Rose match, who gives a shit. Um, but like, I felt like she was barely featured. So surprising she didn't get more votes. Liv Morgan had a great year, I thought. No votes. Um, she won the briefcase, won the title soon after. She actually started the year. Over enough in that feud with uh, Becky Lynch. She teamed with Rhea for a little while. She was consistently on the show. SmackDown uh, Women's Champion for a good while this year. And she lost the belt and hasn't done a ton since. But no votes for her. Or Britt Baker. Britt Baker's done nothing this year. Uh, She was Women's Champion for the first three months. That's about it. Um, She also won that Owen Hart Championship in May. Her second half of the year, she has lost a lot. No votes for her. I think she she may have won last year too, which is funny. So now we get into, let's see, fourth place, tied for fourth, Rhea Ripley, who had a great year as a character, um, didn't wrestle many matches, wasn't champion at all, but she had a really she really reinvented herself. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch, 4.8% of the vote, tied for fourth. So you thought it was between Becky and Bianca. Becky's down a little bit. 9.5% of the vote, third place, Jamie Hayter, who had a great year to me, the biggest breakout star in AEW this year. Um, a lot of good matches. Finally champion, really over, just all now. All she has to do now is split away from Britt. Uh, second in first place. So first place, 66.7% of the vote, Bianca Belair. In second place was Tony Storm with 14.3% of the vote. So the EST is indeed EST, the best uh, women's wrestler of 2022. And I, I don't even think it's a question, Mr. Marceau. You mentioned her character arc earlier. And she was in the Rumble for like 45, 50 minutes. She won the first, not the first ever Women's Elimination Chamber, but she won the Women's Elimination Chamber back in February. Won the belt from Becky at WrestleMania. She had matches on TV, successful title defenses against Carmella, Sonya Deville, Becky again at SummerSlam, 
Asuka, a couple good matches with her. Bailey beat her twice on pay-per-view in a ladder match, last woman standing match. Won the women's war games match at Survivor Series. Bianca's probably one of the most protected people in the entire company, male or female. And she's still really over. She's gotten great, done great character work, cut good promos, and has been great in the ring as well. She has had an amazing year. No, definitely. Like you said, especially with Jamie Hader, I would say if, if the problem with her is that it's just such a last-minute thing, like she just won the belt. Yeah, I, think yeah, I agree. It, bit more time like she was definitely over but she just wasn't doing anything like she was still like she was starting to get over the crowd but she was still kind of brit side i mean she still is but i mean i guess she's starting to become the more of the less of a sidekick but she still was pretty much brit sidekick at that point yeah she was over but she wasn't really doing anything interesting until the last couple of months when we thought she was gonna break up from brit but then she didn't because soraya came in but they finally pulled the trigger on her being champion over tony but uh no i think she she would probably, if she had a couple more months, I think she could have probably got a little bit even more vote. But I don't think anyone was being Bianca. I'm honestly surprised Becky got as less as she did. Yeah, no, I'm surprised she didn't do more. Maybe because she was gone for the summer or the second half of the year after SummerSlam, she was gone through Survivor Series. Maybe that's why. But she had a great year too. Like you said, she was champion for the first few months of the year, and even in Chase Mode, she was quite great as well. Had some great matches with Bianca and Triple Threats, multi women singles matches. Uh, she deserved more votes. Uh, Tony she had a good year as well. Like the Stockholm syndrome of people forgetting about her in the beginning of the year. Yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah, she really carried that division through Bianca beating her at Mania. So, yeah, and, and Bianca's been uh, carrying that division ever since, and she might be champion through WrestleMania. So Bianca's reign of uh, dominance is not over yet. We get to male wrestler of the year. Uh, this one was a bit tougher, I think. A lot of, I mean, I I made the fucking categories, but we had a lot of great years for a lot of great people this year. Uh, who'd you vote for, Mr. Marceau? This is our final finale, by the way, our final category. Who'd you vote for? Who do you think won? This, this was the toughest one. Um, like you said, it's just always like, like you said, it comes down to like your interpretation. I mean, I would say the most over wrestler, I mean, hands on Roman Reigns. I mm. mean, not even close. Um, MGF, extremely popular. Yep. But he wrestled seven matches this year. Well, so did so, Roman. No, no. So did Roman Reigns. Yeah. So then. Then you know, see a punk had a great year, but he was also hurt a lot, got in trouble. We haven't seen him since September. Yep. Uh, for me, I, I, I best uh, for me best is the best wrestler with the best matches with the quality and the quantity. I went with Seth freaking Rollins. I mean, the <laughs> good answer. I, I thought he had a, a complete full year. Um, that's what kind of put me over him. I mean, I said Roman's the guy, but for me, Seth, I mean, he was the most complete guy all year, put on great matches, carried Raw, basically, uh, when they had no champion, uh, did some of the, I mean, I hate the laugh, I just can't stand the laugh, but I mean, <laughs> he has great matches all the time, I, I just, to me, it really came down to that, the quality, I think Moxley would be definitely up there as well, I mean, he wrestled a lot uh, for AEW as well, I'd kind of probably say they were pretty close, 1A, 1B, um, but for me, Seth just—he just had a full, complete year. He was WWE's MVP. Had great matches, great storylines, great feuds. Even the Roman feud that lasted a couple weeks back in January. Great match with Roman of the Rumble. That was uh, another match of the year candidate. I did not include in the match of the year conversation. Um, then he goes on to the stuff. He, he was kind of biding his time going to WrestleMania. He didn't have a Mania match. Had matches on TV with AJ and Owens and other people. Didn't have a Mania match. Had the awesome series of matches with Rhodes. Put him over three times. Immediately transitioned into the Roll or the Riddle feud, which was great. Great matches. Helped put him over in the fight pit and main event of Extreme Rules. 
And uh, he was U.S. champion for a little while, soon after that for for quite a bit. He's over as a babyface right now, and now he's back to feuding with Austin Theory. So he has indeed had a great year. Um, among other, everyone on this list had a really good year. Bobby Lashley had a great year. Uh, he was really over this year. He never technically was beaten for the WWE title. He's been protected a lot. He was U.S. champion for a number of months, had a lot of really good matches, um, defended it in the main event of Raw a bunch. He was WWE champion for a few weeks, came back. He wasn't out for very long, uh, had the feud with Brock Lesnar as well, so he's had a great year. Unfortunately, he had 0% of the votes. So Bobby Lashley, no votes, no dice. Another person who had no votes at all, this was definitely surprising. As we get into it here, Mr. Marceau, tied for last place, CM Punk. Not a single vote for CM Punk. Apparently, my uh, my voters, the readers of WrestleRant.com, do not like CM Punk as much as I do. Not that I would have had him win here, but Punk had it. Like, come on, we have to be fair here. The guy had a good year, okay? Like, he had the feud of MJF for the first three months. That was the best part of Dynamite for the first three months of the year. Phenomenal stuff. He won the title and a good match with Paige Double or Nothing. Granted, he was champion for a day. But he did win the title in the main event of Double or Nothing. He was gone for a few months, came back, won the belt for a second time, got injured, and got suspended, and he's been gone ever since. But by in total, the first half of the year, he had a great first half of 2022. And the second half went to complete shit. But I guess that's what people remember. So he didn't get any votes. Uh, fifth place, 2.4% of the votes. Adam Page, who was champion for the first five, six months of the year, uh, another one of those people, like, I forgot who we mentioned earlier, Becky Lynch, champion for a good portion of the year. No one cared. The rain wasn't great. You talked about it. What'd you say? No, I was laughing at you. Yeah, no one, no one gave a shit um, about the rain of, of Paige, who had a really, you know, he had a couple of really good matches, but his booking was just not great. He didn't feel like the guy. Like I said, Punk and MJF dominated the year. Paige, not, not, I, I don't want to say no dice because he did get some votes, but 2.4% of the votes for a guy that was champion for the first six months. This is a very surprising, interesting category, by the way, as we wind it down here. Uh, fourth place, all right, fourth place with 9.5% of the votes was Seth freaking Rollins. <laughs> so he didn't even crack the top three. Um, I think that's more so due to the booking. I mean, I agree with you. From an in-ring standpoint, MVP would be Rollins. I think Alexis even told me she voted for Rollins too, but... Um, yeah, he, he couldn't really win whenever it mattered most. I don't think he won a pay-per-view match until he beat Riddle at Clash of the Castle. Um, I don't know if he's won a paper. <laughs> that might be the only pay-per-view match he won this year, which is not good. But, uh, you know, he's Rollins. He, he's bulletproof, whatever. But, yeah, fourth place, 9.5% of the vote. Oh, did he win at Clash? Yeah, that's what I said. That was the only pay-per-view match that he won this year. Yeah, 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 Clash. Yep, he beat Riddle. Um, third place, 11.9% of the vote. MJF, who had a great year. He was gone for a decent part of it during the summer, about three months. But still, he was great in the first half. Didn't win a lot in the first half. Didn't have a lot of matches. Um, but the promos were great. The match with Punk was great. The Wardlow stuff, the feud was great. The, the, the payoff was lame, but whatever. Um, then he came back, was the best part of Dynamite for the last couple months of the year. Had a great match with Moxley. Beat him for the belt in, in November. Uh, surprised that he's not top three, but he was... Uh, or I'm sorry, he was top three, but he was uh, third place. Second place, well, let's let's get into it. Uh, here we go. For the first time ever, Mr. Marceau, first time ever, we got a two-way tie for first place. 
We got two male wrestlers of the year for 2022 with 26.2% of the vote for both. This is why I leave the polls up for as long as possible because if we got a couple more votes, it probably wouldn't have been tied. Obviously, wouldn't have been tied if we got votes for one of these people. 26.2% of the votes for the top spot and second place got 23.8% of the votes. Your male wrestler of the year for 2022 or male wrestlers of the year were Roman Reigns, of course, and Sami Zayn. And, <laughs> and John Moxley was second place with 23.8% of the vote. That is very surprising. I, listen, it's all about your interpretation. Sami Zayn didn't win anything this year, really. But he was also one of the most entertaining parts of the year with Knoxville stuff. I know you disagree, but the Bloodline stuff. The Bloodline are the male wrestlers of the year, Mr. Marceau. Your thoughts, your reaction. No, I mean, so this is the thing, though. It's like I feel like he benefited from not doing anything at the beginning of the year because he really didn't do anything. Like, the whole Bloodline stuff was mostly the middle of the year into basically the summer. I mean, yeah. he didn't become an honorary boost until... I didn't think it was until after Clash, if my memory serves me right. Um, he, he was doing stuff with the Bloodline up until like April, but it wasn't. They didn't really rev it up until like September. Yes. Yeah. So like, I mean, like you said, as a character, yeah. I mean, he had a great year. Um, he's with the Bloodline, stuff like that. But I mean, like you said, rest of the year. I mean, they probably had good matches, but nothing really stuck out to me. That was like that was an amazing match. I mean, he has good matches, but um, yeah. I mean. It's a little surprising. I, I mean, I think he had a good year, but like, I feel like he's one of those people, like you said, like had a good year, but probably get zero percent of the vote because other people had betting. I'm so done. Like, I'm. I don't even have words. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I, I oh my goodness, I'm surprised. I mean, I think he had a good year, but I just feel like Rollins just had a way better year. But uh, I mean, like you said, Roman Reigns had a great year, but to me, he was kind of disqualified because he didn't really do too much. I guess this means that people just pay more attention to the segments and promos than they do the uh, matches. Because Zayn didn't really have any standout matches this year for the most part. Rollins had like 10 at least. He's in a lot of the top matches of the year. But, I mean, he also had great promos and feuds. But, I don't know. I think people remember the Zayn stuff because that was the central focus of the company for the last five, six months. True. Listen, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not upset Sammy's one of the top spots. The Bloodline are, you know, the honorary ooze and the Tribal Chief himself are, are the male wrestlers of the year. We got two male wrestlers of the year for the first time ever. Uh, we're 10 years in. We're still making history here. Moxley being in second place doesn't overly surprise me. He had a very good year or two. He really carried AEW through the uh, dark times, so to speak, the dark days. Uh, Rollins being as low as he was is surprising, but I, I guess when you don't win a lot of matches, maybe that's what people go off of. Maybe the people that make the PWI rankings were voting on this one. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, I thought he had a great year, I guess, like you said, I guess, they, I mean, if you're counting my promos, I mean, I like I said, I hate his fucking laugh and shit. <laughs> I know you do. Maybe don't. the laugh really just, I mean, maybe other people hate it too and just didn't, just didn't give him, but, uh, no, I, I think Roman, I mean, like I said, he is the most over guy in the business, so I guess that does count for something, but, like I said, best wrestler of the year, I kind of, I guess it kind of goes both hand in hand, but. I mean, like I said, I thought Rollins had a complete year. I would say Moxley as well, so. Yeah, he had a very good year. They all had great years. All of them, for different reasons, had great years, and we'll see what uh, 2023 will bring 
And that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for the 10th annual 2022 Year in Review Awards from WWE and AEW on WrestleRant.com. Thank you, Mr. Marceau. Thank you to everyone who voted for uh, the polls that went up a little bit later than they usually do. Maybe if I put them up, or maybe this is my fault. Maybe if I put them up earlier, we would have gotten more votes, and maybe Zayn and Roman wouldn't have tied. Maybe Rollins would have won. Who knows? Um, but uh, we'll see for next year. I'll keep that in mind for next year. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback on these things and people voting and, and telling me they voted. That's always appreciated. So I look forward to the next one. But it's not over yet, Mr. Marceau. We still have the Royal Rumble game to look forward to as well. You've won it before. You're an alum. You won it back in 2016. You got your WrestleRant shirt. You might be able to go uh, 2-0 and in 2023. We have had two-time winners before. You might become a two-time winner in 2023. Yeah, I, I won Triple H, right? Was it Triple H? You did in 2016, yeah. <laughs> Good times. So, hey, hey, you never know who might win. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's close it down here as we approach. We just surpassed the hour and a half mark, the 90-minute mark here. Quick thoughts in 2022 as a whole for both companies. Uh, I thought it was a great year. AEW was very up and down. WWE was kind of in the shithole for the first six months. Some good stuff. Mania was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but still, you know, they had a pretty lackluster first six months. Vince get the, gets the boot. Triple H takes over. Much better product overall. Some great shows. A lot of great pay-per-views this year. I know Extreme Rules got no votes, but Extreme Rules was a very good show. Clash, awesome show. Loved Mania. Hell in the Cell was a lot better than it had any right to be. We were at Backlash. Backlash was great. Mr. Marceau, you and I were at fucking SummerSlam and had a great time. Very good show. The first Triple H pay-per-view of that era. Uh, we just went to Survivor Series a month ago. That was a lot of fun as well. Had a great time there. We've been to a bunch of uh, random shows. We went to the Undertaker one man, dead man show. We went to Dynamite, I think, this year. Or no, did we go to Dynamite? I don't think we went to Dynamite this year. Not with. For Dylan's birthday. Oh, that was last year. I, I went to Dynamite this year, just not with you. I went to Rampage as well. Uh, we were, to- you know what it was? We literally, like, we were gonna go, and then it was right, it was a week after WrestleMania. That's what it was, yeah. And then the other one was something else. I yeah, remember. yeah. I went to Death Before Dishonor, Ring of Honor pay-per-view too, which was also great in uh, good old, was it Worcester? No, that was Lowell. That was Lowell, Mass. No, that's a Lowell. Yeah, Lowell. It was an, another industrial shithole, but that was a lot of fun too. A lot of great <laughs> shows this year. And uh, Mania was fun too. I look forward to the next one. And uh, yeah, just talk about 2022 as a whole, Mr. Marceau, as far as the, the products and our own personal experiences. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was just kind of a tale of two different companies. I think AEW was definitely stronger in the first half of the year, um, but then with the whole brawl out and all that stuff, I feel like it definitely took its deterrence, and Triple H took over WWE, the product definitely fight. So I think AEW probably won the first half of the year, but I would say WWE won the second half. Um, but no, I mean, we had a great time. We killed it. Uh, SummerSlam was amazing. Incredible. Uh, Never be top, but it will, we may come close. We'll see. I mean, like I said, WrestleMania, WrestleMania backlash. By the way, you keep creating this. I know. I, I gotta. I gotta clarify. That was a great yeah. time. Survivor Series was fun. Um, so yeah, we had a great year. I'm very interested for 2023. Probably more shows to go. I agree. 2023 is going to be wild. The 2022 is any indication. I look forward to it, brother. So we're going to have our first show of 2023 next week here. I already gave my predictions, but I might. Uh, maybe I'll give them again, or maybe adjust them, or add some new ones. We'll see. But I'll probably come at you with a couple questions, Mr. Marceau, as far as what you have in store. What's in your crystal ball for the new year for WWE and AEW as well? So come prepared. I will. All right. Great time, brother. Look forward to it. And uh, Happy New Year. I'll talk to you in 2023. Sounds good. Adios, brother. Take care. Later.